Hello and welcome. We are covering a Doctor Who episode, the newer Doctor Who, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. And I'm not alone on this maddening, ball-sniffing terror. I'm also joined by Jason. Hello, Jason. Oh, hello, 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 hello. I saw dinosaurs. I saw spaceships. I saw TARDISes on spaceships, spaceships in spaceships. You know, it was fucking awesome. Yeah, that was <laughs> and uh, well, also for the very first time, uh, I'm also joined by my friend Will. Hello, Will. Hello, I am honored to be here today. This is fantastic. I'm I'm glad to have you because um, so if you want to just Will, who are you? What what do you do? And and why do you think uh, I would for sure want to have you on this episode? Uh, so my name is Will Erskine. I am a, I have experience hosting on radio and podcasts. I'm a playwright and audio drama writer. I am also a technical producer for News Talk Radio, and I am a big longtime fan of Doctor Who. Oh, uh, I actually, I actually got you on because I thought you were a big Peep Show fan, and uh, you know, <laughs> you're a big fan of uh, David Mitchell and Robert Webb, who are the two voice of the the robots. You know I what? I was, like. I thought that was what you do. <laughs> I appreciate them as well. <laughs> that is very, very diplomatic. That is the most diplomatic thing that has ever been said in the planet. On this show, um, for sure. The plot of this episode that we're going to talk about. Um, it's basically like there is a mysterious object going, it looks like it's kind of some kind of ball, like it looks like some kind of ball, it's a the spaceship. The size of Canada, Andrew, the size of Canada. Size of Canada, uh, as you know, Canada is full of dinosaurs, but anyways, um, and it, it is approaching Earth, and, uh, if it gets too close to Earth, they're just gonna blow it up. It's, uh, I did not know... Is this like a, uh, Will, you might notice this. Is this like a previously established point in time? Like, did he know all those people on Earth? Or was this just a, a random, like, oh, yeah, this is just uh, 2027? It was, I wrote it down, so this isn't like uh, my advanced Time Lord brain or anything. At 2367, uh, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, they just kind of pulled that out of their hats. Uh, they've sort of established what, like the future history of earth looks like on doctor who at that point in time but no these this was the first time you saw all these people which was fun can, can i ask a question no like okay fair enough let's keep going. <laughs> no i'm just gonna right. go, go ahead <laughs> <laughs> um nefri has never been on the show before correct oh yeah yeah actually um Nefertiti had never been on the show, which was uh, a little so bit surprising. Start with Nefertiti trying to bone Doctor Who. <laughs> That's the intro. That is unbelievable. It's just here's Nefertiti trying to fuck Doctor Who against. <laughs> okay, now I have a question. Has had Rupert Graves' character not appeared? Like the 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 hunter guy was nope. he was he new for this episode? <laughs> he was brand new, brand new for this episode. Just I. Can, can I just spoil and say I fucking love this episode? And one of the reasons is because of how insane, like, they're just like, fuck exposition. We're just, <laughs> everything is happening and you're going to deal with it. And now there's dinosaurs. And they say dinosaurs on a spaceship about 72 times in this episode. And I am here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> I 1000% thought that all these characters were established. Because I know, like, the main character, like, I know, like, Karen <laughs> Gillan and, like, Rory, Amy Pond and Rory Williams, they're, they're established. I knew about the them. But I just, point, right? 
I just assumed that like he was always trying to be like, eh, Nefertiti is one of my <laughs> prehistoric side it pieces. Has a real like, and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure like vibe to it. You know what I mean? We're just gonna yeah. pick, we're picking Genghis Khan up. We're going to fucking space and we're gonna. <laughs> kill some dinosaurs but, and, and like rupert graves's character is clearly they were like clearly like okay look we love the character muldoon from <laughs> from jurassic park but we can't just bring a character that's like equivalent to muldoon we have to give a reason for them to be one of those old-timey dinosaur hunting men i think it was and, that uh, character was supposed to i read somewhere be like uh buffalo bill or something Something of that effect, but they knew they were doing an Old West show next, so they decided to change that character, was what I read. Oh, uh, that, yeah, because that makes sense, because the, the, I, I almost immediately watched the next episode, because it also looked fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Will, what was, like, is what was up with this, this period of Doctor Who? Were they kind of doing all kinds of, like, crazy stuff, or was this kind of out of the norm? Uh, n- Kind of yes and no. So the deal with this period was um, these were the final five episodes that were going to have Amy and Rory uh, as his companions uh, and really a family unit, which was the first time in a long while they'd had that on Doctor Who. And so everyone knew that we're going to have to say goodbye to them one way or another, and it does not usually go well when you say goodbye to companions on Doctor Who, um, particularly in the original series. So they came out the gate with uh, Asylum of the Daleks, which was a really dark cyberpunk zombies in space sort of thing, which was all about Amy and Rory also going through a separation. Uh, So that was a real heavy episode. And uh, I learned this when you asked me to be on the show. I decided, okay, I better look some of this up. Um, They decided second episode had to be a lot more lighthearted. And it was actually the special effects team that had uh, approached Moffat and said, hey, let's do something with dinosaurs. We want to make some dinosaurs. <laughs> and he, so he uh, tossed it over to Chris Chibnall and was like, write something for dinosaurs. We're going to do this. And they kind of just put in everything. As you say, this whole episode was a hodgepodge in the best way of, well, let's let's bring in Muldoon and let's get Nefertiti in here and Mitchell and Webb as some sassy breaking down robots. Let's, and David Bradley in here to just be horrific and off in the corner and crusty and dying and still threatening. Let's just put it all in there yeah. and, and, and see where this goes, um, which they did. And so it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, you know, a good sort of... Uh, um, way to relax after the opening episode but uh it kind of also explains for anyone who just goes out there is like oh well, this sounds like a fun romp and they're gonna watch they're gonna find some really really dark moments but those were all like setting uh the scene for the episodes that were gonna you know finish off this season and finish off this whole character arc for you know three family members who've been on the series for several years at that point and this is matt smith's last season as the doctor too right i believe is that true um right. yeah more or yeah. less they kind of did like a a, a a split season thing so they oh, did gotcha. these five and they ca- took a break and then they came back and they yeah f- wrapped it all up um which had its own issues it was a little crammed but still it was what it was and i gotta say that was my <laughs> one of my big notes here because i took notes re-watching the episode so i could be professional and good and keep up with you guys um and one of my notes just says, Dear God, I missed Matt Smith. 
he is like such a good presence. Like, yeah, I was so, um, yeah, like the. I don't know. I don't know. I I have always had this thing where I when I watch Doctor Who, I don't have an over abundance of experience with Doctor Who, but I always kind of g- gravitate towards the old men doctors. Um, and like I'm, I sometimes I kind of like gristle over the sexy doctors because I'm like, ah, oh, you're you're cool and sexy. Ugh. And like Matt Smith is like a middle aged doctor, which is kind of cool. <laughs> like, yeah, like he's like perfectly in between those two. Um, and uh, it, it, he just has like a really great uh, screen presence, and also can like turn sinister on a dime, which mm-hmm. I thought was like really interesting, and like made me like kind of afraid of Doctor Who. <laughs> yes. Well, that's that's how he got the part too. They were supposed to cast an old guy. I think they actually wanted Capaldi then and there for the 11th Doctor. Uh, but, you know, they held auditions and Matt Smith came in and Moffat's like, somehow they crammed a very old kind of frightening man into this young dude. Let's hire him and we'll do Capaldi next. Uh, and Sinister, yeah, you're just, it's his emoting in general. Like, they could do a a, a whole scene that's just his wrinkly forehead furrowing further and further and he could convey an entire span of sorrow and then like his sociopathic rage before he does something legitimately frightening and then goes back to riding a triceratops on a kid's show yeah i mean um i'm sort of with uh andrews i'm like um no some doctor who like my doctor's probably david Tennant, right like i uh um but that david Tennant's like way more bitter and sarcastic and angry about mm-hmm. the fact that he's the doctor whereas um i really appreciate how glib matt smith is kind of like he's very like um like you said sociopathic in the sense that he's like enjoying everything that's going on with like a sort of indifference um to to the people around him whereas david Tennant is sort of like sarcastic about it you know yeah his doctor um and and i think it's a really I, I think just think it's and i'm sure this has been stated a million times um I just think it's a brilliant concept to build into the fact that you can reboot the character every time and get sort of a different flavor of Doctor constantly. It's just it's just such a brilliant conceit and um, refreshing to sort of be able to kind of bounce from Doctor to Doctor. And I think Matt Smith is uh, – I haven't seen much of him, but he was really good in this episode, I thought. Mm-hmm. That was really great. Yeah. How many, uh, how many seasons did he get? Um, Matt had – it felt like a lot longer, but it was three. He he only had three seasons, which was like a surprise because we just had David Tennant for about uh, spanning uh, four years or so. Um, but yeah, three seasons, which is actually kind of the average for actors who, who take the role. I mean, Capaldi came next and only did three. Uh, and Jodie Whittaker, we don't really know. And I just want to uh, state this for the record, because I know there's some fans who get all grumble bum about this stuff. I like, I like Capaldi and I like Jodie Whittaker a lot. I just, I didn't realize how much I missed Matt Smith on screen. Um, for that exact reason, as, as you said, Jason, like he, he, you know, he had his own presence and, and carried uh, it throughout this whole episode where you just you you went from one one style of storytelling to the next depending on who was in the scene with him essentially yeah no that's a that, yeah that that's a really good uh point um so a few other questions before we really kind of get into this episode one were the 
practical effects always this good on modern Doctor Who? Because I was really surprised with the amount of uh, very modern and very robust props in some of these because they, they have a lot of um, miniatures and actual preppets for the, the dinosaurs, which look great. And also the robots look amazing. Like they, they're really realized well. And also... Why are there so few instances of dinosaurs on Doctor Who? Because I was I was going it through it and like I saw like the the um like really the seventies Doctor has the like seventies uh, era Doctor Who has the most amount of dinosaurs and then after that it kind of just kind of dri- dri- drivels off and I I, I would have thought that this would be a thing that they would have done a lot more but like i actually think that that's probably cooler that they don't do it all the time and this is this is special but i i was just very surprised by that yeah uh well on the dinosaur point i feel like it's partly uh, a matter of how difficult it actually is to do convincing dinosaurs on screen uh especially with the older series uh, just mixed in with the fact that you know they they probably did all think well let's not let's not overdo this we could do dinosaurs anytime because we're a time travel show let's have them go elsewhere and do some other things it's it's too hard to come up with a reason for dinosaurs other than hey cool check it out dinosaurs which was all the reason they needed for this episode um, and as for special effects no uh, when Moffat took over. I don't know how much was his initiative or if it was just right place, right time and the BBC uh, putting their money into it. But yeah, they really bumped up the special effects budget. Uh, But Doctor Who's always been very much about practical effects, uh, which is one of the reasons the dinosaurs look so good in in this, which, you know, just a TV, a BBC TV production. Um but it just shows the strengths. Practical effects, you know, they hold up over time the same way Jurassic Park does. Um, and so, yeah, it made for something that's really just fun to look at. Uh, it doesn't take you out of the moment because for the most part, they were <laughs> they, they were riding things with like three crew members pushing them, uh, pushing the Triceratops behind them. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, okay, Jason, Jason, uh, you know, we've, we've talked a lot. What, what did you think about this episode? And um, w- were there any surprises? And uh, what's your overall viewpoint? Were there experience? any surprises? I mean, were there any surprises? Um, the whole yeah, I mean, did, did you did you literally expect Walder Frey to show up and be doing the exact same performance as Walder Frey? Um, and just get blown up? Um, well, I mean, I, um, absolutely i love david bradley um as will said he's crusty as hell in this episode but that's sort of what he does right i mean um david bradley is sort of you know that if you want a crusty old evil bastard you honestly can't do better than david bradley i mean he's finch and harry potter too right we got we have some uh harry potter alums in this episode right you have um uh, the the elder Weasley too getting his balls sniffed by a triceratops in this episode <laughs> as well, right? Um, <laughs> there's um, you're gonna have to explain that. <laughs> I have to explain that. Not right now, but at some point we're we're giving people an impression about this episode. But continue. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing you need to know about this episode. If you <laughs> want to see Arthur Weasley's balls get sniffed by a prehistoric creature, this is what the only thing you can watch. The only thing. That has that. So far. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, and then play catch with it. That, that happens as well. So, uh, all, right, I, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> with his balls and the Triceratops. Um, I really, really enjoyed this. It's re- it's uber silly. Everything that happens is sort of silly, um, but it embraces it. And I really admire how Doctor Who can do something um, emotional, right? Um, allegorical, right? And then also something this silly and pull it all off right so um this is just fun like i I mean i I can't imagine anyone whether it be a kid to um an adult watching this and not enjoying it it just flies by if you're like just enjoy silly sci-fi like it's it's a good time i quite honestly i mean you you get um raptor hunting in this episode you get triceratops riding you get running from pterodactyls um you get um nefertiti trying to bone multiple people um it's yeah it's just a good time quite honestly i mean i don't know what else to say yeah no that's uh that's that that pretty much sums that part up uh, how, how about how about you, Will? What what, what do you think? And like, wh- where do you kind of like view this in terms of your overall? Like, do you revisit this episode often, or or what? Um, I haven't watched this one. I think the last time I I caught it was uh, during one of the um, I think back when it was called the Twelve Days of Spacemus, uh, that uh, our Canadian equivalent of a Sci-Fi Channel uh, would air. Uh, so it was just like a, a marathon. Um, so it's been a while. Uh, since I watched it, but you know, you you brought it up to me, and I was thinking, I was like, yeah, that was a really, as you say, Jason, this was just fun, and it wasn't hollow, empty fun. They packed a lot of uh, emotion into it, a lot of, you know, they they could have maybe gone deeper and just done a whole episode about you know, uh, uh, treating animals and people and creatures as commodities or whatever. They touched on it enough though, and they struck this really cool balance. So I went back and 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 rewatched it, and I honestly think out of this season, um, barring maybe the the finale. But that was like really heavy into uh, character arcs and everything. I think this episode was probably the best of the season because it just struck that right balance of uh, being there being a little bit of something for everyone. It never felt uh, uneven in the grand scale of Doctor Who episodes. I put a bunch of other ones that I'd say, well, this was amazing or this was so brilliantly written ahead of them. But this was a solid good time with some great performances and and <laughs> and t- and pterodactyls being actually scary. That's one of my favorite things about it. You know, anyone that can make a pterodactyl actually scary, I'm all for that. And uh, and Arthur Weasley and his his balls. <laughs> Should have gotten its own credit. Quite honestly, that's biggest disappointment is Arthur Weasley's balls. Should have gotten credit. <laughs> just a separate thing <laughs> in the in the cast credits okay i am uh amazed i five years later robert bradley showed up to be just the doctor was he a version of the uh, the doctor there's like two 2017 episodes where he's credited as just the doc so he was he was a, a version of the doctor 
So what he did, and this is actually uh, to Jason's point, and well, I guess we all have agreed he is the king of being crusty and frightening in the corner. Um, but if you want to see him do just a a heartwarming, nice uh, role, uh, there was it was part of their uh, 50th anniversary specials, uh, and there was a made-for-TV movie written by Mark Gatiss about the creation of Doctor Who back in the 60s. So in that, he played William Hartnell, uh, the first actor uh, to be the Doctor, and did uh, a, did a great job, did justice to Hartnell, and like portrayed a man who's sort of nearing the end of his career and life, finding this whole uh, new way to connect with people and to inspire children and wonder in what was at the time an edutainment program like Doctor Who started out being a way to teach kids science and history and so here was the Doctor who the grown-ups all found grumbly and kind of grisly but kids loved him and he was sort of this Father Christmas from outer space type character um so it's called an adventure in space and time and so you get to see uh Bradley there being a, a lovely, heartwarming uh, portrayal of William Hartnell. But from that, they then, you know, whenever they decided, well, let's bring the first Doctor into this, they actually brought the first Doctor into a crossover with Peter Capaldi's Doctor, and uh, they cast him. They were like, well, he's the first Doctor now. We, we're we not going to do, like, a, a CGI William Hartnell over top of another performer or anything. We just, we have him. Um, so he's now, when they need the first doctor to show up, he's their go-to. Wow. You know what? They'll have him for what? Two years? So that's good. Like, yeah. he's, he's very old. <laughs> he's very old. <laughs> and, and I should, I should add the caveat. When he's playing the first doctor, it's back to being crusty because, you know. <laughs> I love that the idea that Doctor Who started as like, um, a children's educational program. It's like, fucking, <laughs> you know, yeah. can you imagine like... 12 years later, freaking Bill Nye in an episode almost boning Nefertiti. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) I just want to correct myself. I said it was uh, uh, Wild Bill that they were going to base that character on. It's actually Charles Jones, who's the dude that helped save the American bison from extinction. So um, that's who they were going to base that character on. Then they sort of were like, oh, let's go with an Alan Quartermain inspiration Hmm. um, for that, for the character – I uh, I would one if I was writing Doctor Who, I would hundred percent bring that character back because it doesn't look like he's appeared since. And I'm like, why has he not appeared since? And, and Rupert Graves is a great actor, right? Like he, yeah, um, he's very charismatic. Like you think he would do a ton of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's nice to see him. This is a really great cast for this episode, actually. It it was also a nice uh, a nice turn from you know being used to him playing Lestrade, who's kind of, you know, off in the corner and, and a little yeah. bit befuddled. Yeah, getting to see so much charisma come through as he is. Alan Quartermain, you're right, I hadn't made that connection. Um, but just one note on his character that I thought was uh, interesting is contrasting him with uh, Bradley's uh, character of Solomon. Um, I Because I, I remember the first time I ever watched it, I thought, well, it's funny that they brought in, instead of the guy who helped save American Bisons, like, they bring in a big game hunter to sort of be on their side, but they're up against a dude who's just 
the the furthest reaches of no respect for any other life form or anything like that. He's almost like a Dennis, a crusty Dennis Nedry, right? Like his idea is like he's gonna steal these fucking dinosaurs and sell them. Yeah, right? like that's his. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna kill a whole spaceship full of uh, of of people just to do that. Right. Um. But I, I and I kind of this I think was part of the fun of the episode too. Was um. There's a res a respect that um. That the uh, Rydell, uh, the big game hunter, he he's not like out for these animals as possessions. He's just seen it as well. I'll run headfirst into danger, and maybe I'll make it out. This will be exciting. Uh, so he considers himself almost like equal with the animals, and I think that's you know y- you could you could pick apart his morality uh, uh, on your own time, but I think that sort of added up to what the similarities between him and the Doctor and Nefertiti were, is like, we're just coming to meet life and the universe as it is, and this is what's fun about it, and that's like the energy of this whole episode is, oh boy, what are you going to throw at me next? Whereas, you know, uh, Bradley off in the corner is just cloistered away, and he's got hench people, and he's just, I want this for me in control. And I thought that was one of the neat little, like, that's Doctor Who at its best is that enthusiasm, as you said, Jason, about no matter how terrifying the circumstances are, it's sort of an enthusiasm about the novelty of it all. Being able to take that step back and be like, wow, I've never dealt with this before. My life's in danger in a whole new way. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so this is a bit of a spoiler. If you haven't seen this episode, uh, skip forward a, probably a few minutes, uh, or you can just watch it before you do this. Does the doctor normally murk his enemies? I didn't realize <laughs> the doctor did so much murder. It's sort of like um, uh, Batman Begins situation, where he yeah. sort of like allows him to die as opposed to actually killing him, but yeah. <laughs> that is <laughs> keep no, no, what? No, no, no. The doctor 1000% murders him because yeah. he literally drops the targeting and then throws the ship in, uh, out there. If he Fair had, like, enough. just, like, like shot out, like, a, 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 or spaced the uh, the coordinates or whatever, then he could be like, oh, fine. And then they just happen to get on his ship, then maybe. But no, he goes, he does, he, you know what he does? He Clarence Boddickers, this motherfucker. <laughs> he shows up and he just like uh, bye bye and places the bomb at and just like leaves. Yep. He go. He goes. Robots leave and then you know. <laughs> sends them yeah, to- Mitchell and Webb get destroyed as well. We should point that out. Like they were deactivated, but a moment of silence for Mitchell and Webb bots who also got blowed up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but they're oh robots. Oh my, they have a personality though. Yeah, and they can murder. So. Um, and they can murder and they can whine. Uh, yeah, I'm actually really excited to answer this to give my because that was one thing I remembered about this episode. It stuck with me from like the first time I saw it on out. But uh, Jason, would you like to take the reins of the Triceratops first? <laughs> I, I mean, um, I think like. Oh, man. What well, was so, your reaction as a more casual viewer of this? Oh, uh, well, so, like, uh, I sort of like Andrew's, like, until, until I started, like, um, looking at stuff. Like, I was like, who are these characters? I knew 
Karen Gillan was like the um, companion and her husband, right? Like, so I knew they were part of this, right? Like, I knew this wasn't their first go. But I was, like, very confused about, like, where all these characters were coming from. So they sort of, like, wrangle... This is, like, there's such, like, madcap energy about this episode. They, like, give zero fucks about exposition. They're like, here's this character, this character, this character, this character. Let's go! We're going on an adventure! And they're, like, basically just announcing what shit is going to happen. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm sort of like... I don't really care. I'm like, I'm, I'm on board, right? Like it's, um, it doesn't waste any time. Like we're, I feels like we're on the spaceship and they're like, there's dinosaurs on the spaceship. And like, we go from being all these characters together from ancient Egypt to modern day London to, um, you know, early 20th century America to this spaceship with dinosaurs, um, on a, on a, a great looking ship, by the way, a very um, interesting, creative yeah. um, design of the ship in like five minutes. <laughs> and in six minutes later, their father is, you know, their father-in-law, right? Because they sort of, the doctor has materialized around them in their country home in like London, I guess, or wherever they are in um, England. Right? Jolly um, old England. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know where, you know, I'm sure that, People who uh, live in England would know where this location is, but I have no idea where they are. I don't know if they're in, like, a suburb of London or whatever. But um, they get sucked into the ship, and their father is there, right? And their father is played um, by Arthur Weasley. And three minutes later, there's a Triceratops um, coming to sniff his balls. (laughs) And um, Doctor Who's like, do you have uh, plants in your pants? And he's like, no, I got my balls. And he pulls out these, I don't know, golf balls? Yeah, they, they were golf were? balls with grass residue, and it was totally just an excuse for them to have a joke to about say, something sniffing about balls. Arthur Weasley's balls um, <laughs> in a show that started about <laughs> educating children about science. Yes. And he then throws the balls, and the Triceratops goes and fetches them like we're watching the Flintstones. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck yes. <laughs> More of this, please. So, so then after all, still this, more educational than actual Harry Potter. Sorry, uh, more, <laughs> still more educational than actual American school system. But go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, so after all this, you know, delightful silliness and madcap adventure, and then it's just straight up. Oh, by the way, here's the doctor. I'm gonna murder you because I don't like you. You're a killer. So watch it. me kill you in this horrific, like. Not visceral as you watch, but if you think about it, getting blown up in space, man, that's gotta suck. Vacuum so of space joke. About it. Um, how'd you feel at that uh, when you saw that be, you know, the resolution for the episode? Um, I was, I was fine with it. Like, whatever. Like, <laughs> <fucking> <laughs> he's American, okay? Jason, Jason is American, so uh, I should have clarified that. Of course, he's fine with the murder. <laughs> you know what? The guy was in the way. Get him. <laughs> I mean, if you <laughs> <laughs> sucks to be you, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, oh man, like I, I really, you're like you said, if you think about it for more than ten minutes, but they just do such a great job of. First of all, you've cast somebody that's just um, a, an expert at being unlikable, right? Like yeah. that's what he does. So it's you know, um, they and it moves so quickly into that moment that you're sort of like, okay, that, okay, I guess that that happened. Like, you don't even think about it until, like, 20 minutes after the episode is over, and then you're like, the fucking doctor just murdered that dude. 
you know? Um, yeah. So in the moment, I was totally fine with it. Um, later, I was like, oh, I don't know. And I sort of had the same question that Andrew does. Like, that's something that happens all the time? Does the doctor just murder people? I don't – I've never seen that. So. Right. So my uh, thoughts about this, first of all, uh, I got to pick up on what you just said of of the pacing plays uh, such a part in this episode where, it, yeah, that just kind of shows up. The doctor found his resolution. Here we go. Uh, and it just keeps on rolling because the thing is, as I said, they were setting up a, a, a lot of seeds here. And, um, you know, going back even with David Tennant, we, you know, you watched his whole arc be sort of him becoming too big for his britches and thinking himself as, you know, well, I'm the Lord of time. I decide who lives and dies and blah, 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 all that. And then he kind of learns from that and he reboots, comes back as Matt Smith and he's supposed to have learned his lesson. And then we get, you know, several years down the line here. And what we're looking at is, you know, uh, an 11th Doctor who's not hanging around Amy and Rory quite so much. He's trying to give them space and let them live their lives. And we all, as viewers, know that soon they're going to be out of the show. And we don't know where this is going next. We, we know Jenna Coleman's been cast to fill the role, but then we just actually watched her first character die in the previous episode. That just threw everyone for a loop. Um, so... The thing about the Doctor killing is, like, the Doctor has killed a lot before. Uh, and in the original series, he had... I mean, depending on the Doctor, they will have more or less qualms about it. Um, you get to David Tennant, who, you know, would get all righteous and, in, and infuriated, but really had uh, a huge... Uh, mortality trigger he did not want people to die he wanted to save people because that's all his leftover trauma and everything you get to matt smith who's kind of you know his doctor's at ease sometimes you got to let things go sometimes people everyone moves on everyone passes away and kind of creeping back in there is his same sort of well i get to make the judgment call sometimes or well we're in this situation it's me we're gonna do this and you know what everyone's got to go sometime and you start seeing him may just becoming a little more callous and cruel and 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 that happens more and more when he doesn't have Amy and Rory around uh and so what they kind of set up again with this really delightful exciting episode is they set up that the doctor's got a whole lot of other friends but there's like different levels of what his support network is and right there with Amy and Rory, with whatever tangled kind of Freudian relationship he has with them uh, over the course of all the seasons, you know, they've kept him in line because he needs someone who he can look them in the eye and see himself reflected back. And he decides, well, I'll be this person for them. So they're not with him. They're off. They're busy. They're distracted doing other stuff. Everyone's wrapped up in the excitement. He says, we're going to save the day. And he goes off and yeah, he rescues Nefertiti. He saves the ship full of dinosaurs. Uh, he helps Rory and his father bond a little bit. And he also like, he, you know, takes out this, this David Bradley, um, in one fell swoop. Looking at it as like two birds with one stone, because screw this guy, we don't like him, he's dangerous, he's evil, he's wicked, and I'm uh, he's the solution to my problems, we'll just put the tracker on him, and kablooey, get out of here, that felt kind of good. Uh, and see, after that, 
if you look at where the series kind of ends up, is once Amy and Rory are gone, uh, and I feel like if Moffat had more time with Matt Smith, he would have explored this in a different way uh, than he got to. But once they're gone, the Doctor's whole support network is people who want him to feel good and want to look after him and make sure he's in good spirits and, you know, check in on their good friend and remind him how many good things he does and not not none of them really call him for a good long while on that sociopathic crap he does when he's just like, well, that's the end of you, kablooey, and he just gets away with that more and more and, and sort of the doctor as a kind of a cosmic bully that sort of worms its way back into the character. So you, this episode, with all its frivolity, is one of the key like little markers on the timeline that Moffat and Chibnall and everyone on the team kind of placed in there. And that's what Matt Smith's performance, as I said, about just like just close-ups on his face as he's sort of having his verbal sparring kind of vague innuendo of who's going to kill who first with uh, David Bradley uh, midway through the episode. And you're watching just this, this coldness, this, I'm this, you know, lion, like I'm going to get you in his face. Uh, That's what they're setting up. So there's a lot of heavy stuff that grew out of this, uh, of this episode and so, no, we had not seen the Doctor kill quite so much, but we'd seen it before. We knew that it was iffy. And in this, we kind of started to see more signs of, yeah, this is this is a really bad habit that the Doctor has. He's got a really bad habit of just murdering people in outer space who he doesn't like. Good to know. Good to know. Um... <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. That was an amazing answer. Yeah, no, that that is a that was a great answer. Okay, so another thing that I have to ask about is uh, is uh, a lore stuff. So uh, prepare to be bored if you're not completely into this. Okay, so Silurians were the people who owned well, who were the like who were dominant on Earth before they got wiped out by the dinosaurs getting wiped out, right? Like they lived alongside yeah. the dinosaurs. Okay, because. And and all the Silurians kind of look like the one that that was in this episode. Uh in the newer series, over time they like they changed just because the special effects and the costume budgets changed over over the decades. Uh, so they just explain that as right. variations in the Wait species. They're dinosaur people that live alongside dinosaurs on Earth. Yes. They are Earth's original population, and they look at, you know, in the different episodes they've done over time. Um, they look at humans as like, you know, the Silurians went into hibernation to ride out this catastrophe. And as their different, you know, pods wake up and stuff, that's usually how an episode that would introduce them would go is just like a new vault has opened and the Silurians are coming out and they're looking around at 1980s England being like, what is this crap? What did they do to our planet? Okay. Yeah. That is a bananas idea. That is a bananas idea. Yeah. yeah, that that is a crazy idea. But um, so okay, so I remember in I remember I think it was a Capaldi season. There is a like Victorian lesbian relationship, and one of them was a lizard lady. So I yes. guess she's a Silurian. Is that what that was? Yes, she was okay. found, and she was another one where Moffat's era really did what you pointed out, Jason, where they like to just 
throw you in an episode and be like, oh, these people have been friends with the Doctors for years, now you're meeting them for the first time. Don't worry about backstory or exposition. Um, they made a reference to she had, like, her pod and her pod alone had woken up and she'd crawled out into the London underground, into the sewer system in Victorian England and had been going around and, you know, trying to find food and scaring people and eventually the doctor helped her out and then she, you know, met her girlfriend there and they became detectives and Arthur Conan Doyle ripped off their lives and made up Sherlock and Watson. And that's the official backstory for Doctor Who. Which one's Sherlock and which one's Watson? Uh, the lizard is Sherlock. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Of course, the lizard is always Sherlock. That's what, you know. <laughs> that's, we, we, I think Stephen Moffat ripped that off and made the Sherlock show out of it. Yeah. Well, it was, I was always a little suspicious that he just, because kind of near the end of both those runs, he was really taxing himself, and hes you could obviously see which script he was writing at the same time as a script for Sherlock and vice yeah. versa. <laughs> so he's just like, oh, I'll do some... Barosian cut-up method and just merge some stories here and see what happens. We can't get better at Cumberbatch, so we might as well just fucking make a lizard because it's about the same thing. Hey, man, that's how he. That's how the the season. That's how season three of Sherlock was really resolved. Um, <laughs> he should have been a dragon the whole time. That would have been. Better. Oh my god, he just flies away. He's like full smog body. Was hiding in shit Cumberbatch. I have lived for ages and will take your gold. And also, I want to kiss you, Watson. <laughs> in the middle solving a case. I smell a hot. Excuse me. <laughs> Oh, no, no. wait, because part of it was a hobbit. Because anyway, he's the sorry. hobbit, yeah. No, no, it's all layers. It's all the layers of reality in a mind palace that they like to say. This was all just Smaug's dream in The Hobbit. I love it. There we I go. love that. I love this connected universe. <laughs> the unifying theory. Smaug just wakes up and like, was like, what the fuck was up with that spaceship? What the fuck is a spaceship? <laughs> Do I like sniffing balls? I'm so confused. <laughs> Oh, what a glorious, what a glorious, yeah. I would like to hear a Hobbit song about this particular episode. I think that would be, that would be the, the best, the best of, of oh, both worlds. They've never done a Doctor Who musical. That, that is surprising, by the way. That is, yeah. that is, that is like months off. There's like no way they don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. It just never clicked with me. Musical. Everyone else does musical episodes. They've not done that yet. They need to. Yeah. Yeah, of course. That'd be amazing. Ah, yes, we've entered the 27th century where they can only talk in musical numbers. (laughs) It's horrifying. The translator will help turn everything you say into a beautiful show tune. Ah, yeah. Yep. Uh, Sorry, Ryan. We just wrote the episode. Pay us. Pay us. Yeah. (laughs) Bring Mitchell and Webb back. There. (laughs) there you go uh i was gonna say uh jason what what are your kind of like your final thoughts just kind of wrap up and uh is uh is this maybe a show that you might check out uh in the future final thoughts i have a lot of thoughts so i I, um yes yeah i mean i've seen some uh, i've sort of like i've been really thinking about this like i've really wanted to watch Doctor Who, um, especially here in the United States, if you have HBO Max, um, all of Doctor Who is on it. Every single season, every single episode, as far as I can tell, except maybe like the newest seasons, right? But I'm sure they'll be there eventually. Um, It's just so daunting 
right? Like, it's like, do I, where do you start with Doctor Who? Do you know what I mean? So I, I really love, like, Will's guidance. Would you, if you were to tell somebody today to start with Doctor Who, would you tell them to start from the beginning? Or would you, they t- would you tell somebody to start at a certain era? Uh, I would say pick pick an era with like the start of a new doctor. So just you know, pick a doctor. Uh, I would say let's go with Matt Smith. Uh, that's a real easy in for a lot of people because uh, the special effects. Some people get put off by really cheesy special effects mm. or deliberate campiness, and you get a lot of that in David Tennant's era. So pick Matt Smith. Start there. Um, and just be ready for something that can be a lot of silly fun or can get pretty heavy, but all the while, just, you're gonna, if you like science fiction, if you like science fiction that can broadly take you to all sorts of other genres and stories, you're gonna have a good time. Well, actually, oh my god, cat, cat, sorry, my cat is like literally biting my microphone. Stop that cat. Um, (laughs) Hi, kitty. (laughs) Um, what I was going to say, Jason, is um, this an- this question has already been answered for you because um, we're going to watch the rest of the episodes with dinosaurs in it. How many more episodes? Huh? There's there's about like three or four more episodes, but they're serials. Okay. So there's actually pretty they're actually pretty long. But what I was going to pitch is that this group of people. Well, uh, it just doesn't have to be right away. But but whenever we we're, we would cover those the the two other uh, big serials that contain dinosaurs and then end with a main episode on invasion of the dinosaurs, because that seems to be the, clearly the, the biggest, uh, Dr. Who dinosaur episode. Um, and I, I even bought the novelization for that, um, which was like written in like the seventies. I like, was like, Oh fuck, it's got dinosaurs. I'm buying this. Um, so I, I kind of gotta, you know, make it, make that purchase worthwhile um so uh, <laughs> it already is yes yes i'm in let's do it let's, um let's so yeah so i i think that that will uh right. that'll be a good way to do it for this podcast because we'll, we'll we'll basically uh cover those and then on the main show we'll we'll do the finality of uh invasion of the dinosaurs because that one is basically a movie at the end of that uh is that not uh will yeah, more or less. Uh, the you know, old Doctor Who, the serial structure of it meant that you got uh, you got a lot of bang for your buck, uh, even if it was you know public television because it's BBC. Uh, yeah, it's it'd be a couple hours long. It's like sitting down and watching a whole dinosaurs come into the modern day and modern day England film with 1970s special effects. <laughs> And again, um, if there's anything that embodies the spirit of this podcast, um, that that sentence is 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 it. <laughs> so, um, I, I have a question about this episode. Still, no, is that okay? Can we go back to that? Yes, yes. No, no. Go, so, go, go. All get get all your uh, thoughts so, and uh, so questions. This out. episode posits right. So, so Rydell, Rydell or Riddell, however you pronounce that dude's name. Um, his arc is sort of like he comes in. He's sort of misogynistic, right? He sort of treats the women like shit. And he thinks he's uh, cool, right? Um, he's a big game hunter. He gets some some flack from um, Amy, right? Yeah. About like how he's like um, uh, not remembered in history, right? I'm sure that's a shot about them deciding to just make the guy up, but also sort of a shot at big game hunters as not being um, important people, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, he becomes misogynistic, but he becomes um, won over by Nefertiti, right? Yeah. So the end of this episode, and Nefertiti famously, like, we have no history of what happens in her final years or whatever. Um, so what this episode is positing is that Nefertiti goes to early 20th century America to live out her remaining days with Riddell? Yeah, that's, basi- that's basically it. She's out there having adventures, probably. Bad choice for a woman of color, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bad decision. <laughs> That'd be what I would say. Probably, uh, you have all of space and time at your, you know, um, at your uh, selection. Don't go there. If you're, don't go there. Fair, fair. I'll- but he was living in the, 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 he was just living in the outback, though, right? Like, he wasn't going to civilization. They're probably just hanging out. He's in just, America. Uh, he was in America, know. not in No, he outback. doesn't. What? Wasn't I thought it was America? the outback. Wasn't I thought. 1901 America? Oh, maybe I got that mistaken. Maybe I thought. I thought, I thought he was just hanging out in the outback, and he was hunting, hunting some dinosaurs, <laughs> as they do on a baby. Um, <laughs> I don't think they have dinosaurs in Australia in the early 20th century. I, w- sure. I, I wouldn't be doubtful of that. That's true. But, Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, no, I, he, they don't seem to be close to civilization. I think any anywhere you go at that time, there's going to be a few issues. Sometimes Doctor Who and it likes to not quite gloss over that, but be sort of like, well, the average person isn't a bag of crap, even in history. And it's like, well, we'll see. But, uh, you know, at the very least, Nefertiti has an outer space tranquilizer gun and uh, a big game <laughs> hunter boyfriend. <laughs> And they probably, I'm going to guess, you know, if they wanted to just have the doctor drop off a velociraptor for them to ride around like Yoshi, I I think they could give anyone who uh, gives them trouble, they could give them the business. I could watch an entire Netflix series of Nefertiti and Riddell riding around the outback (laughs) killing slavers on the back of a fucking... Dude, why is this not happening? Why is this not happening? That would be so good. You heard us. (laughs) Make it happen. Netflix, you have the power. You can make anything, you know? <laughs> is, uh, like, is that one of the things about Doctor Who is that there are literally characters and situations like what we're talking about now kind of incredul- incredulously uh, just peppered throughout this entire show? Like, are they commonly like, like, oh, here's some cool characters and they lived off in some weird time period and they just do their own shit and you, you could do an entire show about them? Or is this kind of not their normal cup of tea? Um, to excuse my Britishness. <laughs> um, it was less conscious uh, with the original series, uh, like, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, um, you know, they would introduce new characters for every serial, and you could kind of think of them as, oh, like, some of them came back, some of them got used in novelizations. Big Finish Production, who does audio dramas, uh, has actually made stories based on characters who were introduced in the old days, and some of the new ones as well, like Big Finish. They could do the adventures of Nefertiti and Rydell and, of, and Yoshi the Velociraptor, but... um you wouldn't be able to see it, but you could hear a lot of cool Foley sound effects. But Moffat very specifically, like, loved to do that. Loved to leave open-ended, like, nudge-nudge, wink-wink. Anyone want to throw money at this idea? This is great. Uh, 
not even to set up a possible spinoff, just to give fans something to to have fun with, to speculate about, I think, um, and to write fan fiction about. I think it's just the way he likes to do things, is be like, well, there's a whole world out there, and when you're a fan, it's fun to imagine these people you just met getting to do whole other adventures, so we'll just pepper it about. Let you have your say. Case of Sir Sherlock's, he doesn't answer things because he doesn't have an answer. That's my official no. declaration. Anyways. Um, True. <laughs> uh, Jason, any more observations before, uh, before I ask Will about his final thoughts? No, no. Um, again, I think even if you don't intend on watching any other Doctor Who, I think you could easily drop off drop off into this episode. It's 45 minutes, super easy, goes by real quick. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you like dinosaurs, so you probably should check this out. Like, because I think um, we have a variety of dinosaurs here, right? We start off with Ankylosaurus, we have Triceratops, we have um, a sleeping Trinosaurus Rex for some reason that is like we're st- stepping over. Um, Velociraptors, right? Ter- Pterodactyl we talked about as well. So I think, um, yeah, from a dinosaur standpoint, like I think there's a lot here, and some of the some of the effects are really good. Some of them are kind of CG, right? Like they're kind of a little wonky, but some of it's really good too. So, um, yeah, the pterodactyl stuff's a lot of fun. I think Will said that as well. Like, yeah, um, that part's really good. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's and they ride on a triceratops. Like, come on, <laughs> yeah, hell good. yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, Will, uh, do you have any final thoughts about this episode, and uh, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, sure. Uh, so, final thoughts about the episode. Um, uh, I, I'm laughing to myself uh, because the riding the Triceratops, the sequence when when they are riding it, guided by a golf ball that just conveniently bounces, like, just keeps bouncing forever and ever and ricocheting until, you know, as far as the plot needs it. That's the moment when it kind of tipped over past, like, that's when you that's that's when I had to suspend my disbelief for this episode of Doctor Who, but in all the best ways where it was just just fun. Like it encapsulated the sort of almost like 1930s kind of kind of screwball comedy uh aspect to this whole episode too. Um I think I said overall I I I really like it. I I like it as part of a a character development standpoint we get to see uh rory's father get to meet him for the first time um and i liked that he kind of fits the narrative that ties in with jurassic park and some other you know films and stories like this or even uh jaws where he is the like just practical uh, dad who has a tool kit, tool belt, carries a trowel with him sort of person, and how you can throw that that Hank Hill, Ron Swanson sort of guy into a wacky adventure, and they will be able to keep their head above water because they might be kind of grounded and and seemingly mundane, but, but you need that as well, and that sort of person ties in perfectly well with the dynamics of a, you know, uh, outer space mad scientist like uh, like the Doctor. So it was kind of fun to see that connection that pops up in mm, stories that seem to make use of dinosaurs or giant animals uh, just because it's sort of about how we adapt and contend with and live alongside uh, nature 
in an uh, over-the-top augmented form. Um, my only, I won't call it a beef with this episode, was that I felt we could have used a few more dinosaurs. Just a little bit more time with dinosaurs and with the, you know, a little bit of how are these dinosaurs living on this spaceship. But uh, that would probably have taxed the special effects budget and just added more to the episode that they couldn't quite squeeze in. Uh, so overall, as I said, I think it's the best one from that season. It's a lot of fun. If you want to just go and look at dinosaurs, uh, check it out. If you loved Matt Smith on The Crown, this is very, very different from The Crown. But check it out. You might like it. <laughs> uh, as for where you can find me online, I am at Willpower Radio. There is an underscore between power and radio. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and you can follow me there to hear about pieces of art and storytelling that I like or whatever play or audio drama I'm writing next. And you can uh, hear my uh, my daily uh, creative uh, output uh, every weekday from uh, noon until 3. I'm the technical producer for the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML in Hamilton, Ontario, and also the uh, Scott Thompson Show podcast, uh, which uh, goes out every evening uh, on weekdays. Should note, it's a different Scott Thompson than the Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall. <laughs> you never, you never know with Canada. You never, you, you never, never know. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, I hope everyone has themselves a great day. Goodbye.